Welcome in to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Monday evening here on the Film Guy Network. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, It is Monday, which means I've got a whole bunch of film observations to dump on you right here at the beginning. So I want to go ahead and knock out the business, okay? Follow us on social, okay? I'm at, at Brooks Austin BA. Everywhere you find your social media, um, you can follow us. Or if you if you listen to podcast platforms, you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever, however you find your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing over there. All that good stuff. Enough. We'll talk about prize picks in a minute. We'll also introduce a new sponsor and a new family member to you here in a little bit. But I want to get these film observations out of the way. Hey, that Devin Leary is bad. I told y'all that. I, I think it was one of our main priority messages over there on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. If you watch the defense of what to expect, if you watch the all 22 against uh, what they did and put on tape against Kentucky or uh, Florida, excuse me, you would have noticed there were some drastic inconsistencies with this lower half. We're going to talk about some things defensively in a little bit, but I think a lot of people have been talking about the start Georgia had on Saturday, and it was great. Don't get me wrong. Offense walked down the field, scored on their first possession. Defense got off the the field really really quickly right you did some good things in the first half but I think a lot of that lack of momentum on the road for Kentucky had a lot to do with the fact that Devin Leary missed a wide open dude on a corner route about mm, I don't know second possession of the football game that would have been a 45 yard hitter and a major explosive for that football team that story's a little bit different in the first quarter if they sustain drives they were unable to do so a lot due to what you can do but a lot to do with the fact that the other guy in my opinion was relatively limited. And I thought based off how they played defense, they thought that as well. Um, now, let's talk about the, the, the Georgia side of the football, okay? Carson Beck is, I think the word now is elite, okay? We, we've checked all the boxes. We've had all the questions get kind of answered here halfway through the season. But the real word, the word that we've been using on this network, okay, and the word that was used today in Kirby Smart's press conference, processor. That is the word we have been using over and over again to describe what it is that Carson Beck does at the quarterback position, right? And for the last few months now, I think even dating back to when we got back from the Elite 11, my evaluation of the quarterback position stopped uh, or no longer revolved around, hey, are you a great thrower? Are you a great athlete? What's it look like when the ball comes out of your hand? All that good stuff. And it became more down to can you process the information in front of you and can you come to the right decision over and over again, right? Can you see what's happening, okay, in front of you and come to the correct decision over and over again? Or in other words, as we've been talking about on this channel, do you have the answers, okay? And ladies and gentlemen, when we watch the tape week in, week out, Carson Beck has the answers. Okay, now, having the answers and executing the answers are two totally different discussions, Okay, I think against Auburn, we missed a few of those answers. Okay, the, the Oscar Delp streaker, right? In uh, weeks past, you've missed a few of those answers, whether it be wide receivers dropping the ball on the other end or whether it be the quarterback missing by a hair. Whatever it is, okay, 
it's always been the correct answer and the right decision. May have not always resulted in the proper result. Nonetheless, the quarterback through all of these weeks on film, we've noticed, has all of the answers. Um, to be honest with you, when I study him, I don't really know what it's going to require to get him off of rhythm, okay, I, and what it's going to require to get him to be unsettled. And I think the only answer that I have for that is pressure and man coverage. I think if you're going to stop Georgia this year on the offensive side of the football, you have to be able to get home first and foremost. You have to be able to get after the quarterback, and you have to be able to cover. I think the, the, the defense that has faced them and played them the best so far through six games, believe it or not, was South Carolina. And a lot of that was complimentary football. The offensive side of the football for South Carolina in the first half was doing a good job of maintaining possessions. But the other half of it was the fact that, hey, they, they could cover you guys for a, a portion of time, and they could get after the quarterback, right? I think that's the first, the only multi-sack football game you guys have allowed this season, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that they tried to play some man coverage on you guys. But here's the thing, and when you study the football team over this, you know, and their roster decisions and their moves and what they've been doing, if you really study them and you really pay attention, I think they kind of foresaw this as the, the defensive game plan to beat them this season. Follow me here. What did you do this offseason, okay? You went out in the portal, and you got the best man-beater inside the slot that the SEC had available in Dominic Lovett, okay? And I think through about five games, particularly the last three games, we've really seen what Rob Rod Thomas can be as a man-beater at the X position. He is a one-on-one -on -one winner, and if you've been over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin, we've been telling you about that all offseason, okay, or all camp leading up. To this season hey this guy's gonna win his one-on-ones when he gets an opportunity to and when he fully gets comfortable I think the decisions you made during the offseason directly impacted and were, and were made to directly impact your deficiencies or I should say where you're going to be attacked from your opposition right this football team okay is going to be and always will be a great third down team this year because of all of those reasons um, yeah so there you go oh and by the way I said man-to-man -man capabilities and pressure. Well, this dude's eating blitz packages apart right now. Uh, Zach Klein mentioned this today in the pressers, and it's an, actually an ESPN statistic. Carson Beck is the third quarterback in over 10 years uh, to have at least four touchdowns and complete 85% of his passes against the blitz this season. So I don't really know what you do to get him off of his, uh, you know, off of his game. I think it goes back to, like, all the years Tom Brady was at his, his, his high end of playing football, everybody's like, well, you got to get pressure with four. Well, if that's the final result, if that's the final answer of how we beat somebody, then that guy's not going to get beat a whole lot because getting home with four when they got five or maybe six is really, really hard to do. So watching them through six weeks, I think Carson Beck is as elite as they come at the quarterback position this year, particularly as a processor. I think he's processing information at a higher rate than anybody in the country at this point. The other observation I have for you, I told you, go ahead and like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff because we got a load of these. Um, zone is a death sentence. Okay, If you're a defensive coordinator listening today and you are set to play Georgia this year, understand something. If you're going to sit back in zone coverage, they're going to pick you apart. Okay, the quarterback is too good at reading defense and collecting information. And by the way, the coordinator did a whole bunch of stuff this weekend to attack man or to attack zone coverages. Okay, particularly cover three. If you're a split safety cover three football team, Mike Bobo, Carson Beck, Todd Munkin, Stetson Bennett, we're going to eat you alive. They're going to continue to eat you alive. 
Okay, um, they did it this week, past weekend against Kentucky. That tried to live in a in a high, uh, single high cover three shell, and you know who else they ate alive and scored sixty five points again the last time they tried to be a cover three single high shell football team? TCU. They beat the brake drums off of that football team, doing the same stuff or very similar stuff to what they did um, this past weekend. They are really, really good zone-beating football teams, and I'm going to show you why right now. Here we go. Hey, man, only one place on the Internet, at least in this Georgia space, I don't know about none of, nobody else, only one place on the Internet you can get this kind of stuff, okay? So make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button, uh, all that good stuff. This was the big 40, 50-yard ripper to Brock Bowers midway through, I think, the second quarter. Maybe through the second quarter. Is that the one where he's wide ass open? Correct. Yeah, and everybody's like, how in the hell is he that wide open? Well, I just told you. They are a cover three football team. I'm just going to draw the corners and the safeties for you guys. Okay? They were a corner or a cover three split safety uh, football team, meaning they would split the safeties. They would rock one of them into the box and leave the other one responsible, okay, for the middle of the field. This corner had a deep third. This corner had a deep third. Now, if I am attacking cover three, first of all, I'm probably going to live in duos like they did, right? I'm going to stay in two by two. I'm going to put two guys on either side of the defense. But most importantly, when I'm playing a zone defense, I want to run multiple people. I want to flood. I want to flood one side of the field or one portion of the concept. Here we go. Right like this right here. We're going to take Lad McConkie and tell him, hey, Push as far as we can, outside leverage, really attack that, that left shoulder, that corner, and push him vertically, carry him vertically as far as we can. Now, Brock Bowers, we're going to outside, we're going to get you to arc release here at the line of scrimmage, and we're going to have you, hey, show a slant. I'm going to show face to my quarterback, all right, and as soon as I show face, I'm going to hit a bender right back into this. Now, what this does is it forces this corner, obviously, to take that guy all the way up the field, right? Now, the problem is, or, or, or the only guy that could really potentially ruin this play is this front side inside linebacker, right? If he's a really, really smart zone defender, okay, he's going to gain ground, try to reroute number two, and if he sees him bending, he's going to continue to float and get up underneath that pass. Now, how are we going to occupy him, if you will? How are we going to take his eyes off of our guy and get rid of him? Well, I got your answer. We're going to take our cue, and we're going to put our running back on the right, and as soon as the play snaps, we're going to swing him. We're going to swing the back, and what that's going to do is it's going to pull the linebacker's leverage towards the sideline and occupy his eyes to eventually float down here because he's got curl flat. Okay? So that's what it was, guys. How is he getting so open? Well, teams are, first of all, terrified to run man coverage against you because they can't cover you right now. Okay? And they can't really play zone coverage against you because your offensive coordinator is just da dot, da dot, da dot, da dot, dotting them up left and right. Okay? So, uh, for Mike Bobo, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, give him three. How about that? How about that? How about that? Um, love a good concept of the day. We got two more of those in this segment alone for you boys and girls. Fire, fire stuff here on this here channel. Let's talk about Micah Morris. Got a comparison for you. Micah Morris is to the guard position at the University of Georgia what Amarius Mims was last year at the tackle position for the University of Georgia. My man is so physically gifted that he makes this look very, very easy. He makes the sport look very, very easy. Now, there are drastic inconsistencies in his game. 
okay, most, mostly due to uh, inconsistent effort. Now, here's the good news. For a football player that is immensely gifted, God gave him everything required to be a first-round draft pick at the guard position. Everything in the world required to be great at that spot. Okay, the good news about an inconsistent young football player like that that really hasn't figured out how to click in all the time with his motor, the good news is he's seeing a lot more football and he's immensely gifted. So even if he's maybe operating at like 85% efficiency, at least he's getting to the right places and God got the rest. You know what I mean? As long as he gets his body in front of people, the rest is going to take over. And that's happening at a much higher rate. It may not look perfect. It's definitely not going to look perfect this year. Okay, but it is consistently getting better. Um, and that's noticeable on tape as well. Um, I cannot believe this shit. But we're about to talk special teams, boys. Hell yeah. We're about to talk special teams. Because I saw, um, I don't know if this is new. Guys, have you been noticing they've been angling their field goal units? I actually have. No. How long have they been doing it? Because I just noticed it this week. I don't know how long. Is I it a this season thing? I feel like it was before. It's not since Rodrigo's been there. So yeah, it's, it's been, been like it, a last 18 months thing. It's been the last thing. few years, yeah. I maybe don't maybe since Musch came back from South Carolina? Maybe. Maybe. And, and became a special teams assistant. I don't know... I don't know when it started. I noticed it because they don't. I, I don't stare a lot at special teams, but I got tagged in this on special or on social media today. Um, so I want to talk about it. Let's go ahead and put it on the board. Screw all this nonsensical talking. We're going back to the concept of the day. Y'all like the little hop, the little, the little childish, boyish, girlish hop off the off the stage lip. I, I prefer it. Um, here we go. Ball left hash mark. Okay. Y'all like my hash mark? You giggling at my hash marks? Don't be giggling at my hash marks. It's a good job. Okay, we got our goalpost right here. Okay. Hey. Well, I mean, what, why y'all laughing at me? Just keep going. Keep going. All right, so ball's on the left hash right here, right? Okay, so what they've been doing is they've been taking Moat and they've been bending him at kind of like a, a cockeyed angle and then snapping the ball, okay, about two yards off the hash in this way. Now, I haven't noticed it as much, and I, I would imagine you don't want to do it as much from the right hash, this, this being the reason. If that snap misses this way, he's hitting the body of, you know, if, if I miss right where I'm leaning, if I overcorrect the angle, I'm going to hit the, the snapper in the chest. If I'm leaning this way and I snap this ball too far to the left side of a, of a, a, le, or a right-footed kicker snapper, I'm going to snap it into a space, and we yeah. got a really, really bad situation going on. Okay, also, um, they're nor they're, they usually over-pull this ball, right, and yeah. over-push this ball, okay? So we want to help them out this way just a little bit, and on this side, it's not as privy, it's not as privy to the situation as otherwise. So yeah, Georgia continuing to evolve even in the special teams unit. I asked Kirby about this today. Um, play it because I, I think this clip really, we've been talking on this channel for a while about finding examples of CEOs that show their obsessive traits. I believe every successful person in the world eats, sleeps, and breathes what they do. Okay, they think about it all the time. And when I listen to him talk about things like, hey, why are you putting the kicker and the snapper that way? You can find his weird intricacies about the game of football. To follow up on the kicking, I, I think I know some of the balls on the left hash, the 32-yarder. Y'all kind of angled the snap. And had y'all done that before? Um, and if so, what went into the decision to kind of take that guy and put him off the left hash? Well, we have rules that I don't really prefer to divulge, but that has not changed. <laughs> so there's no change in, in our, our kicking rules. Every, every 
field goal team in America has a rule they have for whether they're on the hash, they move it, whether they go tackle over, they don't go tackle over. I mean, uh, those are things that you get into geometry about of how your kicker kicks the ball, what's the flight path, how high does it get, where's the block point, how hard do they rush. Um, But we haven't changed ours since we've been here. Right. So you have it. Yeah, you hear them talk about whether or not we're tackle over, whether or not the block point is, where's the highest arc of the kick, like all, like everything, down to the the just the the smallest hair on the horse's ass. Man, it's just all about every bit that he can get in terms of an advantage. Um, this defense continues to stuff people between the tackles. I think. Again, I, I know a lot of our film study used to, like, used to we were allowed to take the coach's copy and put it out on YouTube for everybody to see. Also, a bad business plan from yours truly, okay? I gave too many people too much free stuff. It's way too premium of content to be out there for free. We already give you 10 hours every day. But if you're one of these people that want to watch real, real, like, in deep, like, coach's copy film tape, okay, it's over there on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. I think we've done a really, really good job this year of showing just how physical and how well the interior of that defensive line has played. From 4-I to Jack, they have done their job. Okay, those guys are occupying blocks as well as any defensive line that Georgia has had in years past, apart from maybe that 2021 unit, which, guys, if that's going to be the measuring stick the rest of the time, then, yeah, let's just compare every offense the rest of the college football history to the 2019 LSU offense. Let's just do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if that's going to be the measuring stick, you're being irrational off rip. Okay, but from a gap-to-gap defense, they have been exceptionally good at run fits from tackle to tackle. Now, outside of tackle, well, guys, I just think they're going to give that up the rest of time in the way in which they've given it up, okay? In the, okay, you're not going to survive scoring against Georgia. You're not going to successfully score against Georgia over and over again unless you get short fields and turnovers just running outside the tackles. And what Georgia defense has become and what modern defense has become, modern great rushing defense has become, is a build-a-wall strategy. We are here to occupy every single gap, tackle to tackle, because the quickest way from where you are to the goal line is a straight line. And we're not going to allow you to go in a straight line. We're going to make you go east and west. Jay Will, I I thought the head coach at the University of Georgia today described what I've been trying to describe as Georgia run defense for years now, um, and he did it in about 90 or about 90 seconds, cut down to about 60 seconds today. So everybody has a defensive philosophy on how they play football, and we don't like balls to run north-south. So if the ball's not running north-south, where is it running? East-west. If it's running east-west, where does it have to get to? The edge. So most of the runs we give up by design are on the edge because we're not going to allow you to go north and south. And if you go north and south on us, we got bigger problems. If we can get it to go sideways, we tend to think that our speed runs it down. Um, and that hasn't always been the case this year. Like we have not done a, uh, an awesome job at running things down that we make go inside out. Some of that's been by scheme. Some of that's been by uh, protecting the corners. I mean, we've had different runs get out for different reasons, but uh, I don't, I'm not sitting here concerned about our edges, if that's what you're asking. Uh, we can definitely do a better job run fitting things. We don't like balls going north and south, okay? And if they're not going north and south, where do they got to go? East and west. He did just like this. So eventually, here, here's, here's how, you, and this is the easiest way. This is layman's terms, okay? So when you're sitting at home, this is when you know you can complain, okay? If a running back 
runs into the offensive line, and then bounces around the edge for a seven-yard gain, you're conceding that. You're giving that up, okay? Now, if it is an obvious design run to attack your edge, and it gets there immediately and runs to grass for 10, 12 yards, or in the case of the Auburn game, 61 yards, no, no, bad. Can't have happen. Someone did something wrong. But when you're sitting at home and it's Ray Davis going, ding, 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 whoop, okay, that's, we're conceding that. You are giving that up as a defense. That is not what you are designed to stop. What you are designed to stop is, holy smokes, look at that hole, bang your head on a goalpost. That hasn't happened to Georgia in quite some time, boys. Welcome in, by the way. I mean, you think about any time, like if you're watching TV or watching football, what are people saying when people get the football? North and south, quit running mm -hmm. east and west. So people are always trying to get north and south. That's what everybody wants you to do as a ball carrier. So, yeah, the natural instinct defensively would be, hey, let's stop them from going north and south. Amen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, it's, it's pretty simple when you break it down like that. There's not a whole lot of analyzing of we're going to stop you from running up the middle. You have to run outside. If you run outside, great. Our linebackers did something wrong or we didn't set an edge properly. So Yeah, so they – it's funny when you just put a bit like basic like building blocks, ready? We're going to recruit big, physical, front-down players, okay? Everybody else, speed. Like, just speed everywhere. And then defensively, we're going to take those four down players, and we're going to occupy your five blockers, and we're not going to allow you to run in between those five players, okay? And then everywhere else, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to bounce, okay? So guess what else takes care of that? Speed. Speed just runs to all of those angles. So they are designed to execute exactly the way they have been executed um, or executing this season. So I think, again, watch out for those numbers. Watch out for that analysis. It can be a little fugazi if people are like, oh, George is not handling the line of scrimmage. George is handling the line of scrimmage. You're just not watching everything you're supposed to be watching. Hey, welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. We're going to talk about what was most surprising about George's ass whipping on Saturday. Uh, can Georgia get two players to New York for the Heisman ceremony? It's actually happened before. We're going to give you the recipe for success tonight. Uh, we got a missing persons report we're going to put out today. Injury updates for you as well. Carson Beck spoke to the media, and he gave us a little segment today. We're going to play a little new game called Out of 100 that uh, Kirby brought up today, which I just think is just blasphemous information that he's out here spewing. So we made a segment out of it, and we are halfway through the season. So we're going to give out some midseason awards today, and we're going to play a little game of what could have been. It is an absolute jam-packed show tonight. Make sure you hit that thumbs-up button. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Prize Picks. If you haven't already, run over to Prize Picks today, sign up, and use promo code BROOKS. You'll get a 100% deposit match over there. Um, so, yeah, promo code Brooks, 100% deposit match. Put up to $100. They will match $100 as well. Give me a shout of camera four over there. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Athletic Collection, okay? If you run over there today and you buy any piece of Georgia memorabilia like that Lad McConkie uh, uh, poster or that Brock Bowers poster that you saw on the film study today, it is NIL based, okay? So a portion of that money will go back to the athletes today again that's the athletic collection no promo code needed they'll just take care of it for you just go over there and get you some posters they are high quality don't you think boys look at them yeah, they, look oh, yeah they look great and i think they definitely added to y'all's space y'all's mm -hmm. space was a little dark for me yeah I, I like i said i don't like when you look at it through the camera at least from our screen it doesn't even look like it's a poster it looks like we just like put it on the screen on like yeah. good quality yeah no doubt 
And the one over there, the, the Brock one, is, is, is elite as well. Um, they got some Kendall Milton photos. They got uh, Branson Robinson. I think some Mary's Mims. Uh, they got a whole bunch of different folks over there. And I think they're trying to add some more in for the homies. Uh, that's, it's just an NIL discussion that they got to handle and get processed over there. So it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, there you see it right there. That one looks absolutely mm. filthy. That is tough. Um, maybe we can get the guys to sign them and maybe we'll cool. give them away. Um, but some of that stuff's got to be retroactive after they play, unless I get Aaron to take care of it for me, because Aaron's the golden child. Despite the fact that Aaron is a media member, Aaron gets to do whatever Aaron wants. Um, well, I guess that's what happens when you break records and set records. Yeah, I mean. And look that handsome. Is, is it because he's handsome, or is it because he's the breaker of records? I mean, I'm sure being handsome probably helps, but yeah. when you break the SEC career passing record, I feel That's like fair. you get a little bit of special treatment. You know, it was funny. We, I know we're off topic here. We got a lot to do, so sorry about it. But we were over at uh, Creature Comfort Saturday, mm -hmm. and I was helping him out with that TPL event. And I don't know if I, I – just a little pat on the back moment for yours truly. It, it was just weird. It's Aaron Murray holding a microphone, and it's Tavares King sitting next to me. Luckily, Brandon Boykin and Rennie Kern were running late because it would have been really, really funny had it been, hi, I'm Aaron Murray, legendary quarterback, University of Georgia. This year's Tavares King played six years in the league. That's Rennie Kern, one of the greatest linebackers in the University of Georgia, a school that puts him out like crazy. And that over there, Brandon Boykin, second-round draft pick, and that's Brooks Austin. Um, just real weird life that I've walked myself into. That would be kind of funny, though. It was funny in general, be, just to watch the the reactions of I got I got a little pop, not 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 even to to lie to you. Got some, and that's Brooks Austin. He does a lot of film work. Hey, got a little claps. Look so nice, hey, man. we're just just trying to move up in the world. Um, let's get after it, man. We got a, we got a bunch of stuff going on. Where should we start? I think we should do these injury updates right quick. Um, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is going to be out of the boot next week. Going to start some running. Um, I don't expect to see him anytime soon. I think there's some serious conditioning that's got to get taken care of first. Yeah. We're talking about foot injuries for 300-pounders, folks. Give it some time. Um, also, plays a position that's relatively deep right now. Michael Williams, Tramel Walthour, don't want to take any more injuries there, but it is relatively deep. Said Cedric's great. Obviously, Cedric came back into the game on Saturday after his little knee uh, kerfuffle or injury, if you will. Amarius Mims is, quote, Right where we need him to be, he, quote, has the same protocol as the other, quote, tightrope surgery guys. Um, was then followed up about a timeline. Um, I think our boy Chip asked him this one. Uh, hey, fo just following up on the Marius things, if, if Google serves me properly and if the, if the Cash Jones timeline serves me properly, that timeline for Marius should be after the bye week against Florida. I don't know, Kirby said. Every every timeline is different. Every person is different. Even though he just told us, every, you know, he's on the same timeline, so should be back by Florida is what they're. It looks like they might be aiming for, might be targeting or circling in pencil. Here's what I can tell you: He was out of a boot and off the scooter this weekend. He's he's load bearing. He's back walking on it without a brace as well. So he's out there, uh, you know, kind of just walking it on his own tightrope surgery. So um, get it walking on tightrope. Also said that they are ordering a special boot. A special cleat, essentially, for him. This is not new. They ordered one for Andrew Thomas. They, it's an offensive lineman's cleat, essentially. And I've told you guys this. I am a firm believer that offensive linemen could play in a cast. Like, yeah. I, I am a firm believer that if you just told me, hey, you got to kick slide three steps, you got to step down or block down three or four steps, maybe at worst three or four plays a game, we ask you to run 12, 15 steps, like full speed, yeah, I can do it in a cast. 
I might be able to do it in two. Cast on your foot? Cast on my foot. Give me. I've done it. I've played with like two and a half rolls of tape on both my feet mm. just because my ankles were so shot. High ankle sprains and tightrope uh, surgeries didn't exist when I was playing football. You couldn't just repair yourself and be back in five weeks. You kind of just got progressively worse throughout the season. Um, so, yeah. I, I, if you go back and look at the tape, I think it was uh, – so one of the offensive linemen last week uh, for – who did they play last week? Auburn. For Auburn. had Auburn's right tackle had a fucking cast on his right foot, if I you go like back and look at it. we talked about this. He like had a massive – right ankle tape job on hmm. his foot. I, I'm a firm believer. If you, if you really, really wanted to go, you could go. I, mean, I don't care how bad your ankle is. Hmm. Um, but, it, again, if you're a first-round draft pick, you sit your ass out hmm. until that nice. thing is perfectly right. Um, so, yeah. How about the injury updates? Any, anything, any thoughts on that? I don't no, think it's that it's pressing. Not really. I guess that's I good news that. for Marius Mims. That's pretty, that's pretty much after the way the injury report looked a couple weeks ago to hear it that right? short and that promising right? now. That's some major steps forward. The next question is, when's Roger Robinson going to get back from his ankle sprain? It doesn't sound like he was a candidate for tightrope, so no, he didn't. didn't go under the knife. Um, so there's your injury update report for the day. Injury update report for the day. Um, Carson Beck spoke to the media today for the first time um, in a you know midweek situation. We get him every week after the game. This is the first time since camp that we've kind of talked to him um, in an extended period as a press conference. Um, Lot to take away from it, but this is the one that I took away from it. Guys, before we play the clip, our court our our wins a quarterback stat. Yes or no? You don't have the clip? I have the one where I sent it to the Dropbox. So if you want to download it, it's in there. Um, but back to the discussion. Our wins a quarterback stat, Christian Kirby. I don't want to be that guy, but I hate this argument. Why? Because it's so black and white they try to make it it's yep. the, like if your quarterback drives you down the field, he goes 35 for 45, he has 400 passing yards and five touchdowns, and you win the game on a last-second drive, yeah, the quarterback won that game. If he goes 10 for 12 with 68 yards and you run the ball the entire game, no, the quarterback didn't win you the game. Mm. So, I mean, it's not like, yes, it is a stat. Are, are interceptions a quarterback stat? Yeah, well, they, yeah. they are, but at the same point, there's plenty of times where a quarterback has an interception and it's not his fault. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, you could make the argument that, yes, it's a quarterback. So at the end of the day, they're categorized as one, but I don't think that's necessarily he's won this many games. Yeah. When, has, he, has he individually won those games for you, or has it been a team effort, which it almost always is? So, here, here's what I got it as. I think they are, and I think they aren't, right? I think quarterback <clears throat> or wins are a quarterback stat, and I think they aren't. Um, the job on, like, 80% of the plays is to facilitate. Like, it's to, it's to take the, like we were talking about earlier, take the answer that is given, give the ball to the right teammate that is open, or give the ball to the right teammate that coach asked you to do. Don't worry about it. Um, you hear me? Don't worry. It's all good. Um, he said quarterbacks, the most important thing at the end of the day. I asked him about his expectations, okay? And he said, I don't have personal expectations when I go into a game. It's not about I'm trying to do this, or my goal today is to do this. The goal is to win. And he said, at the end of the day, that's the, that's the stat in the column that I think gets most overlooked is with regards to quarterback play is the wins column. And for his, from his perspective with this football team, I'm in 100% agreement, okay, 80% of the time. But I think what the, the difference between the national narrative around Carson Beck um, the last couple of weeks is this last 20% I'm talking about. 
the last 20% of quarterback play is doing your part, okay? M- making sure that we are elevating the offense, okay? Are you a game manager? Or are you a game changer? Are you a guy that can just take what is given and add on? Or are you a guy that can just take what is given? I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks is not only is he that 80% of that, that quote-unquote game manager, he gets all the right answers. He, 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 he checks out on the test every single time. He's managed to create as well. He's managed to, oh, my, 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 my running back ran right past the, the Mike linebacker that's blitzing right down the middle of A-gap. Okay, we'll take this one right off the chin. We'll just get that ball right to Rob Rob Thomas. We'll extend the drive, right? Oh, oh, we, we finally gave up some pressure. Ooh, quarterback pocket manipulation. I'm going to make somebody miss. Go pick up a first down with my legs, right? We've seen these things from Carson over and over again. Um, and, and I think he's gone about doing the things that, yeah, he deserves a portion of that win, right? It is a bit of a quarterback stat, um, but I'm with you. If we're talking about giving Carson or, uh, Stetson Bennett a, a win in the win column for the 37-6 to drumming of Arkansas in 2021, I think we're going a little far. Right? Yeah. I, th- I don't think that's a quarterback win. It's the same reason why wins and losses for a pitcher are overrated in baseball because there's so many other factors that come into play, especially for – because like a pitcher can pitch six flawless innings it can be two to zero but then another guy can come in and blow the lead and all of a sudden he no longer gets his win but he did everything he needed to win and I think you see that a lot like Justin Herbert is someone I think of for this like many would consider him a top six quarterback in the NFL right now but his teammate isn't exactly doing a whole lot of winning but it isn't exactly his fault either so I have an issue saying that wins are quarterback stat and I think it only is a stat when it pushes the narrative that you want it to yeah, I was going to go on the other side. I think I can point to a couple of teams that are losing because of quarterback play, but not very often. Um, I, I tweeted about this the other day. I think the more and more I study the position, particularly with a guy like Carson, like, man, it, the, the success of the position is so dependent upon the other 10 guys winning. You know what I mean? The yeah. other 10 guys doing their job that sometimes it's way too much credit and way too much blame. I wouldn't even say sometimes. I would say all the time. I would say 99.9% of the time, unless you listen to it. And again, I think it's why it's, I think why, I don't even think, I know why what we do on Mondays with the film is so vital. Okay, because I talk to y'all. I do. I talk to the people that listen to this channel. I read our Discord, okay, on Saturdays when things might not be going perfect, okay? And I see how, how educated you guys are, okay? And I see how smart you are in your conversations on social where you're, you're far more advanced because you understand that football, particularly at the quarterback position, is far more about whether or not the other 10 guys are winning and doing their job. And can that 11th guy be the last, like, exclamation point on the offensive execution? And, and I think that, to me, kind of is the main portion of the discussion, not, all right, did they win? And did they win because of the quarterback? Again, I think you're right. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. I think that's a cop-out of an answer, but it's the right answer. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, that's why, <clears throat> that's why I hate that argument because doing that makes it seem like you're being wishy-washy when in reality it's not a yes or no question. Boys, can they do it? Can Georgia send two guys to New York? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do they do it? How do they get it done? So I pulled a couple of numbers. I took Jay. What Will. are they what, coming after we, my I, job? Sorry, Jay. So, so, I, I, we, we didn't talk about this segment. I think we should explain to the audience that it, it's only been done a handful of times. And the most recent one, let's lay that out yeah, first. Go ahead, okay, go so here's what happened. Okay, so the most recent football team to send two people to the Heisman Trophy ceremony was the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, so let's just compare these guys. 
uh, Carson Beck and Brock Bowers to those guys. Let's just see how they're stacking up through six football games. Okay, in 2020, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones in 13 games. That's what we're talking about. Mac Jones in 13 games that, that year had 3,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Okay, Devontae Smith through 13 games that year when he won the Heisman had 1,500 yards and 18 total touchdowns that season. So, my question to you, I know absurd, right? 1,500 yards, 1,500 yards through 13 games is stupid. That's wild. What are, what are these two guys from Georgia on pace to do with regards to those two guys in stack-ups? All right, so I pulled the numbers on it. Carson Beck right now currently has the 13th best odds to win the Heisman. Okay. He's on pace to have 4,086 by the end of the SEC championship game. In 13 games, so he would, he would 300 yards more than Mac Jones. Yes, and 11 more yards than Caleb Williams had that time last season. Elite. How many touchdowns? He's on pace for, I believe, 24 touchdowns. 24 total, I think. Okay, so there's, there's the deficiency. Yeah, yeah, that's where the deficiency okay. is. But that's also yeah. – that's one of those things. That's subject like, to change. Definitely we need yeah. a couple more, like, four-touchdown performances. Yeah, definitely need more performances like you had last the Saturday night. So, moving on to Brock Bowers. Brock Correct. Bowers has the ninth best odds currently. Mm. That's the highest out of any non-QB. He's currently on pace to have 1,180 yards this mm -hmm. season, which would break the Georgia single-season record – he would be the first person to have a thousand yard season since Terrence Edwards. There's a current here's a list of players that are currently ahead of both of them. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jordan Travis, Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy, and Michael Penix. These are for odds. Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds all of those guys are undefeated after thirteen games? Zero. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, Georgia, on the other hand, they should be thirteen and zero at that point. So basing it off of the fact that Georgia's going to have the number one team in the country, they'll be the winningest team in the country, and they'll have two of the most productive players in the country, the best tight end in the nation easily, best, arguably best tight end ever, combined with a 4,000-yard passer who still has to play two playoff games. Mm -hmm. How do you make the argument that they're not both in New York? At so here's how I'll make the argument that this is the year that Georgia finally wins a Heisman again. If there's anything Georgia – voters don't or voters nationally don't have fatigue about it's Georgia players individually voters definitely have some fatigue about Georgia football mm -hmm. you know what I mean with regards to voting for Georgia to be the number one team or talking about Georgia being the number one team there is definitely some all right enough enough of this <laughs> but there's not enough or there hasn't been enough storylines for Georgia from an individual's perspective and I think this kind of tracks with Alabama's narrative as well um, well, no, Mark Ingram won the Heisman during his time, and they won the fir their first title with Mark Ingram, right, right, at the running back. So that doesn't really track accurately. What but were you going to say, though? I was going to say that, like, Alabama didn't start winning Heismans until a couple of years into the regime, but that's not true. No. That Georgia is unique in the sense that they have been very team-oriented, apart from last year, where I honestly, this is going to sound bad, Stetson kind of got the just-because-you're-at-Georgia vote last year, didn't he? Just because Georgia's the best team in the country vote? Uh, I think it was that, and I think every big game he performed he very performed. well. And he performed yeah. really well against Tennessee. He was very, very trendy. Yeah, he performed. He put up 50 in the uh, SEC championship. That's I think fair. that's what got him over. The 50 points in the SEC championship game was when people really went, okay, he's actually a really good quarterback. So, so at this rate, Beck's going to out-throw Mac Jones, who that year was on pace to do some crazy-ass shit, right? Mm -hmm. Um or it seemed like he was doing record-breaking performances. And mm -hmm. he played in a, a condensed season, but we did the 13 games. Um, he was on pace to throw for more yardage, I think, in a 15-game season that Burrow played. Yeah, I think I he was believe. on pace for yeah. that. Okay, so they were 
they were putting it up that year, and you guys are throwing for more yardage right now at the University of Georgia. Now, the discrepancies, the 390, that's almost 400 yards that Bowers is short on Devontae Smith, man, it's tight end, right? That's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it and, is. And he's noticeably better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the key to winning the Heisman. Like, you don't only have to do, like, outrageous shit statistically. We have to go into football games every single time going, how in the hell are they going to stop this guy? Right. You know what I mean? And he, is, he has certainly become that. It remained that. And That's exactly what Aiden Hutchinson had at Michigan. Is like when he was on the defensive side of the football, everybody was like, how the heck are you going to stop Aiden Hutchinson? Because he looked like the best player on the football field every single time he was out there. And the Heisman's also – this is what makes it kind of shitty and why people don't really like the Heisman voters, but it's also moment-oriented. It's what have you done mm. recently. Yeah. Brock Bowers pretty much taking the game over against Auburn. Things like that, that gets you Heisman attention. Whereas like a game like Caleb Williams had where, you know, yeah, he put up pretty good numbers last week, but Arizona barely won. You barely beat Arizona. So it's not, it's not as good of a look. You don't have this quote, the Heisman moment. That's why every year someone goes, oh, he had his Heisman moment. That was it. I think the good news, though, for Bowers and Carson Beck in this conversation is that if one of them's playing well, it probably means that the other is yeah, playing well as well. So they're collectively going to continue to have success if they continue this rate. So they're going to continue to be in the conversation together if they both remain on this pace. So I'm just sitting here writing them down. Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, you can only choose one of those, right? Yeah, you can only yeah. get one. One, of, one of those guys out of the Pac-12 is going to be the guy in New York, mm-hmm. right? So let's just circle one Pac-12 guy, Travis Jordan Travis down Probably. at Florida State. I mean, but he's not really—he's not even putting—is he putting up numbers like that? Not really. I don't feel like he's doing it like that. No, no. he has—he's doing it like 250 with some fade balls. He's mm-hmm. got the fourth best odds—not fourth best odds, but he's currently ranked fourth on ESPN. So give me—you got the odds pulled up, right? No. Or you can, had him on your notes somewhere? I can pull him up real quick. Do do that. I'm just trying to figure out who the other options are. Quinn Ewers or Dylan Gabriel, right? Quinn now. Ewers right there and Dylan Gabriel. They're gonna eat one another. Yeah. Right. So Quinn and Dylan, right? Dylan so you got already, Dylan somebody out of the Pac-12, Quinn. somebody out of the Big 12, the Georgia guys. <clears throat> who else we got? Who who in the Big Ten is out here doing it like that? Nobody. JJ McCarthy's on there. JJ McCarthy's going to throw for 3,200 yards this year. It's it's a whole bunch of. So do you want me to go ahead and read you the, the from the? Start I think finish? I read today that that Michigan has the fewest offensive possessions compared to points in the country. Wow. They're not doing it like that, guys. Michigan's out here dominating, scoring every possession, just beating the shit out of people. Okay, so the moment they get, the moment they get squeezed, like they've been getting squeezed in in big games last in the last couple of years, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. They're gonna finally have to ask JJ McCarthy to be something. So your first three – He is, by the way. He is home. Your first three best odds, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix. We said two of those are already out. Already out. So then you have Dylan Gabriel, Jordan Travis, Drake May. So Drake May and Jordan Travis are options. Yes. So Drake May is in there as well. Yes. So he, he's a real competitor there. Yeah. Then it goes – And I think, I think Travis and Drake May eat each other because someone's got to win the ACC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, they'll have to play eventually in the ACC. I don't yep. think UNC. I, I don't think they I don't make think it. they go undefeated. Mm-hmm. I think they might. They could make it to the ACC championship. But I don't think they'll make it undefeated. And I don't think they'll beat Florida State. Well, I when think they a ten and two team from North Carolina. I feel Carolina. like that UNC squad is due for like just a stinker one day. I think Drake May might be the best bet here. He's on my. I think Drake May might be the best bet here because they don't have to go undefeated. <clears throat> if no. he does stupid shit down the stretch, like three or four four hundred yard games. Yeah. If Drake May has three or four four hundred yard games. And they go ten and two, don't play it on. That would be the herder. Mm-hmm. If they don't play in the ACC yeah. championship game, 
and don't play on that weekend. So then after Drake May, it's J.J. McCarthy and Quinn Ewers. Mm-hmm. Then you have Brock Bowers. And then it's just a bunch of random. Guys, Brock Bowers might win the Heisman. That's crazy. Don't say it. Don't say it because you know you I'm, I'm just saying it might happen. Now, we're going to skip midseason awards. We're going to get to them tomorrow because I, I want to talk about um, these give me threes from Saturday. I want to talk about these missing haters. We can just get this out the way. Be honest right now in the chat and in the comments, if you are watching this right now, if you had skepticism about Mike Bobo being the hire as the offensive coordinator, just go ahead and out yourself now, okay? And just be, be a man about it or be a woman about it. Be an adult about the situation, okay? And just be like, look, I was wrong, all right? Because you know who wasn't wrong? This guy. This guy was not wrong. We was ready for this. We talked about it the whole time. The whole discussion was we don't get it. We don't understand the hatred. That's what we talked about on this network. And honestly, your head coach expected a smooth-ass transition as well. Do we have this clip? I know you got one this one for me. Here, let's play this for him. Yeah, Coach, halfway through the season, your quarterback's fourth in passing. You're averaging 40 points per game. I'm just curious, has the transition from Coach Munkin and Stetson to Bobo and Beck been as smooth as even you thought it would be this offseason? Yeah, and I never, I mean, I made a quick decision there because I was really confident. And uh, we had the luxury of having a quarterback coming back that really wasn't your typical first-time starter. And not you. when you have a guy that's been in the system as long as he has, I felt comfortable that he knew the system, that I wanted to keep the system the same. And, and those guys have transitioned well uh, together. Bro, we really had one media member comparing Carson Beck to Hudson Mason. We really did. We really did on the Twitter timeline. Not even just Hudson Mason. A few other notorious Duds. Georgia quarterbacks. Notorious, just just not great guys mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. Um, and this man, fourth in the country in passing. That's crazy. Um, no, nah, you heard Kirby say it. They, they knew. That, that was the, the exposure to me today. That all the – and we knew too. Yeah. We, we knew Carson Beck was the guy the whole time. We were like, guys. Carson Beck's the dude. Stop talking about this idea of a quarterback competition. But somebody, some people out here bit the bait. They were out here like entertaining this idea that somebody other than Carson Beck was going to be the starting quarterback this year. And that quote right there, that quote in today's press conference, listening to him talk about how it was an easy decision. How, how many quarterbacks get a chance to spend three, bless you, three or four years in the same system? Nobody. None. So... Why did Mike Bobo get the – or why did Mike Bobo – why was Mike Bobo the selection? Transition was smooth. Quarterback needed to stay in the same system for three or four years. They made that decision in January. They made that decision in January, and they made the decision that Carson Beck was the starting quarterback in January. Um, well, they not, probably made it in January of 2022. You think so? Yeah, when, when Stetson came back for – all right, we're going to have Stetson for one more year, and then Carson's going to be the guy after that. So I guess the, the transition of this discussion is we just need to do a weekly update of is Carson a one and done? Is Carson a one and done? This week, after this week's performance, maybe a one if, and done? If he goes to New York, I think he's absolutely <laughs> one and done. Yeah, I mean, if he continues to be top five in the nation in passing yards, he continues to get love in the Heisman, he wins an SEC championship, and he goes to the college football playoff, it's going to be hard for NFL GMs to look at that and say, man, I don't want to take a bet on that. Especially when they see him throw it. And all of them have. They saw him throw it when he was a sophomore. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. George Pickens asked yep. him to throw a pro day. And he threw lasers. <laughs> he threw lasers, bro. Um, and he's got one of those arms. I, I, you watch some of the clips that have come out from him from uh, Six Points Jacks when he's throwing an NFL ball. Jesus, man. 
God can rip it, brother. Um, I think there is an option. There's, there's an opportunity potentially for him to come out this year, but it is a really, really deep class. So yeah. I don't think it's anything you need to worry about right now. I don't think it's anything that needs to be a talking point right now, but eventually we'll have to make uh, a, a, a talking point about it. Do we want to, we are at 52 minutes. Let's give them three right quick. Uh, three things that surprised you most about this weekend. I will go first. Uh, one, everything Mike Bobo did, okay? I study this team a ton. You all know this. Um, they, they continue to do new things. And, and for a football team that I've studied for three and a half, four years, and for an offense that we've been told hasn't changed, okay, didn't do much differently, um, they continue to do uh, new things every single weekend. He added a fake, uh, fake bubble tunnel in this week that we saw. It wasn't his play. I saw Oregon do it two weeks prior against Colorado. Um, he had the QB sneak, the fake QB sneak that he added in. That was a brand new play. I hadn't seen that. Um, hadn't seen that tight end leak he ran on third and one, the big explosive to Brock Bowers down the middle of the field midway through the first quarter. Guys, that was a one-man route. Uh, he came back to a very similar uh, tight end pop pass down on the goal line. We've seen that, obviously, in years past, but it was a tremendous call when he called it. The motions that my mans has used over the last couple of weeks to get Brock Bowers open. We showed you that in film study today. Even little simple stuff like just taking a little tear motion uh, when you're in nub set, right? Um, let's, no, we don't have time, right? We, we got one tight end over there by himself and we got a running back right behind him. Well, we're gonna release the running back in a pre-snap motion just to make that linebacker responsible. Just bump a little bit and then we're gonna run Brock Bowers on a little hook. How did he get so open? Well, it was pre-snap motion. We're just using different ways. The touchdown on Brock Bowers, they ran cheap motion. They took Aaron or Arian Smith, ran him uh, horizontally, and then attacked the line of scrimmage as the ball was snapped and did so and snapped the ball right as he interfaced and crossed behind Brock Bowers. Those little things, that's what creates such voids running down the middle of the field. Everything Bobo did Saturday surprised me and obviously surprised Kentucky's defense. Uh, this offensive line's response kind of surprised me. It was, it was clear to me they took it very, very personally. Um, and that Kentucky unit doesn't really get pushed around ever. And you guys pushed them around on Saturday. And the biggest surprise on Saturday, um, I don't know whether or not Kirby Smart has a fascination with scoring 50 points or whether or not he just don't like Mark Stoops, or whether or not he just wanted Brock Vandergriff to get a touchdown pass. But watching a Georgia football team go for it on fourth and goal from the five, up 44 to 13, staggering, shocking, take your breath away moment for me because normally we get a tremendous amount of respect in those moments. And that was a tremendous amount of ass whooping <laughs> is what that was. So uh, give him three. What do y'all got? First of all, thoughts. Running the score up a little bit. A little weird. A little uh, weird. Yeah. Outside of his characteristics. I don't know if it's even I don't know if you consider it running the score as much as it is you're trying to get Brock Vandergraff as many real in game mm. live reps as you can. He does need red zone reps. This is true. And a little bit of this is what you get for twenty twenty one. You think he's salty about that twenty one? I don't, I don't drop? think he's spiteful. I don't think so. Mans was calling timeouts to, to I run wouldn't goal put it line above runs. Kirby. I think he can be a little petty sometimes. Mm. I wouldn't put him above him. Uh mm -mm. mine. Just how easy they made it look. This Kentucky-Georgia yeah. game has never looked like this, at least for the last four years. 2021 was a little bit like that. But even then, like this is usually, like we always say, very physical football game, kind of grind it out. May not be the prettiest win, but if you get a win in this football game, just take the dub and move on. Uh, how often Georgia was in the backfield. That's another one that surprised yeah. me because this Kentucky offensive line has not allowed much of that this uh, this season so far. They had four tackles for loss and three sacks. That definitely surprised me. 
And Terrence Edwards has been um, kind of previewing this all year, but Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint or Rojack mm. surprised me on Saturday. Big game for him, and that's just something you good to see because it seems like it's kind of been on the kind of been in the fold for him. It seems like it's kind of been on the um, the cusp, but it finally see him break out. That hey, was a surprise. That boy Jay will give him three. What do you got, Curb? So the first one I was surprised by was the offensive efficiency to open the game. Six mm. drives, six scores. That's about as, yeah. about as perfect a start as you can want if you're a Georgia fan. Second one that surprised me, how much Kentucky threw the ball? Mm-hmm. I figured their game plan would be to come in and just run at Jordan. It seemed like they tried to throw the ball a lot more. They almost had success with it. They had a half-decent quarterback. But that, that was something that surprised me. And then the third thing that surprised me kind of, and I feel like I should have known better of this, but the Kentucky fan base was almost immediately, like after Rojak caught that ball, like, oh, yeah, this is an ass whipping. And that, <laughs> like, they literally like, were out of it so Bro, quickly. I passed three. Is that the third one? Let's go ahead and give him yeah. three. Yeah. Ah, I give him three. I passed three Kentucky fans at like 10 o'clock Saturday morning. And I'm walking by. I said, I'm wearing, you know, I'm wearing blue. I have my like navy blue outfit. Not Kentucky blue, but it was like navy blue. I had navy blue jays on and all kinds of stuff. And uh, very neutral colored. Uh, and I walked by them. And uh, I said, how are we feeling today, fellas? And they looked at me and go, eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, no, I was, about I, was the way it was. I was talking to someone after the game, and I was like, did you expect that to happen? They were like, well, we didn't think we would win, honestly. But, no, it was, it was more surprising that we got beat that bad. But, you know, that's what happens when we play Georgia. We can never beat y'all. Opposing that, fan bases love doing that one right there. They're like, oh, we didn't expect to win, but they want to talk a whole lot of shit. That was the, that was the thing. Prior. I was talking to Kentucky fans before the fact, and they were also like, you know, hopefully we can get one. You know, we've never been to the SEC. Chain. Like, they were very hopeful. And then so, – Here's what I maybe found out about Kentucky fans. The ones traveling and showing up to the games, relatively reasonable about yeah. the expectations mm-hmm. of their football teams. The ones on the social medias, not so Well, much. that's the thing. Even the people on the social medias, because like everyone does the receipt things. They're like, oh, yeah. you want to take this back? And they're like, yeah, you guys actually kicked our ass. Good job. Like everyone was like commenting like that. Yeah. Like immediately like taking, they weren't I guess like. holler at them during hoop season. We'll see if they're as rational. Yeah, it'll be different. Yeah. It's definitely a basketball school. Absolutely. Hey, I love this one. Now, this stems from our boy Kirby getting a little lippy in pre-show. Um, what? I, bro, you acted like you're you, you going to dominate this little pre-fake game we got coming up, and I just think you're wrong, and that's why we're going to talk about dominate? this. Dominate? Dude, I think your percentage of 23% is higher than any answer we're no, going to no, get No, 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 it's higher than that. What did he say, 32? 32 or 35. All right, so here's the game. It's called Out of 100. All right, how many times out of 100 could you insert answer? We're going to play this over and over again throughout the season. Not a ton, but when we have somebody say some stuff like this. Um, How many times out of 100, injuries and stamina out of the question and out of the conversation, how many times out of 100 could you tackle Brock Bowers in open space? Here's the situation. You got two offensive players. You got two defensive players. They've blocked. You've got to run over the both of them, okay, and go tackle Brock Bowers. Now, we presented this to Kirby, and Kirby's answer is what? How many times? My final answer is 25 to 30. No, final answer. Give me a number. 27. 27. 27% of the time, Kirby thinks he can tackle Brock Bowers. Now, I want want to know everybody's answer on this because I'm going to say, personally, maybe six. I was going to say, like, maybe five. Maybe six. But the problem is – I don't think if he just ran to the angle every single time, I'm not catching it. That's the problem. How deep is this drill? Is it 10 yards? Is it five yards? Is it? I mean, shit. He catches the ball at the hash. He's got from the hash to the sideline. 
23 and a half yards. Okay. Hash to the sideline. How many times? 20. I fact, factor in the fact that fact you're, you're going to say the offensive line blocks every time. Perfectly. No, just it's, it's space defenders, by the way. It's, it's, it's like y'all, y'all running two over two. Okay. It's like so modern the, Oklahoma drill. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're going to at least 10 to, at least 10 times. The D line's breaking through that. So then you gain tackling at that point. One-on-one, I'm getting crushed. That's not my argument here. Obviously, one-on-one, I'm getting demolished by Brock Bowers. I'm saying if we ran 100 Oklahoma drills the way you're saying, 20 times we would stop. Nah. I, I, was, I set the drill up to where it's you guys in space. If, now, if it's like that, that shit you did in, when you were youth, where it's like you yeah. lay your heads back together and you spin, run around the cone, yeah. I'm dying every time. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you have two D linemen lined up against two offensive linemen, they're going to be able to w- get washes in sometimes. He's going to get caught up in holes. What do you got? I'm just diving for shoelaces every time. Yeah, I'm, not, not I'm not even messing around with the quads. It's I'm not, not messing around with the core section or none of that. I'm strictly diving after shoelaces. I'm telling you right now, it's not happening. Neither one of you. Um, but it's a good idea. I think you have a better chance of getting a sack off of Amarius Mims out of 100 times than you do tackling. See, I don't agree with that at all. You could speed rush him. You could. You could get him just once. Maybe maybe give him a little juke. I'm getting one good bend. I don't don't know about you. I think think you might be able to get him a little sauce. No, it's the the rapid acceleration in one-on-ones because one-on-ones are a tough thing to win as an offensive lineman. Um, They're designed for defensive linemen to win because you're out there playing in space and you don't have your left guard to the left of you. You know what I mean? It's designed for jitterbugs to win. Um, you kind of shut me down there real quick. I feel like if Amarius Mims got a hand on me, it would not be very well. <laughs> no, probably wouldn't go well. That's what I'm saying. So I, I, w- I would say Brock ba- tackling you think Brock. You, this, this is insane. You think you have a better chance of tackling Brock Bowers than you do beating Amarius Mims in a one-on-one rush? Yes. I don't know. It's a good little game. It's a good little toss-up. Um, hey, we have. Do we have anything else we need to make sure? I want to give one more shout out to the athletic collection. Those freaking posters are dope. Give me one more shot of that Lab McConkie one. Uh, we don't have to worry about the Brock Bowers one. Um, that's the athletic collection. The blink is in the bio and description of this YouTube video. We do have a whole entire another hour coming up right here on the channel. Make sure you're sticking around and make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button on your way out. I love you.